0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative
1: truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz.
0: And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Miniman to the one and only CR podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house, ready to guide you on your fight for liberty, for freedom anew. And folks, the difference between liberty and tyranny is a hairline. It really is. I know I've been very dark lately, very negative, because there's not much positive around. But I want to offer a little bit of hope today amidst a lot of bad news in the sense that I'm seeing both from some budding successes and failures that are near successes, how close we are. And this is why I, I do, I know I'm a couple months behind, but I do commit to going back to trying to form our Liberty Strike Force team, several thousand of you have already signed up. I am going to focus on the red states where we pound away at the state legislatures, both at the policy legislative end and at the election end in primaries Um, and then other local offices and certainly governor and attorney general. And I'm telling you, we're close to doing it when we assert our will on them, when we get them in session, when we, press an issue, we get a good guy and there's always a few in each chamber to push a good bill, light a fire behind it, we get pretty close and that will lead to the national divorce. I want to discuss this in very stark terms today, an example of a success and a failure. I mean, the success is not durable, but you're going to see what I mean. And then also, if we have time on the backside of our interview today, I want to get to just the irremediable corruption that we're seeing with big pharma. It is truly unbelievable. Likely the very people that brought us COVID are the ones that are pushing all the failed solutions. The more the vaccine openly fails, European countries are now banning Moderna vaccine for young people. We are mandating vaccines. It's truly, truly crazy. But we're also going to have soon an interview with Chip Roy To uh, update us on the National Defense Authorization Act, they are literally a centimeter away from including women in that and selection. What's that called? Uh, The precursor to the draft that we have. And this is a big issue I want to discuss for a couple moments. Our first sponsor today, Alliance Defending Freedom, for over 27 years, ADF has been standing up for religious liberty, the sanctity of life, freedom of speech, marriage, and parental rights. Um, really, we don't have too many uh, legal defense groups to turn to uh, that that work pro bono that take up these cases. ADF relies on the generosity of patriots like you. To help out, go to adflegal.org slash CR. Get your copy of ADF's ebook titled Generational Wins. Um, Absolutely free. You'll see the vitality of their work. They've been instrumental in some of the rare victories we've had recently on the life issue. America is strong. When we stand together, join the growing number of Americans pledging their support for freedom and liberty. Donate today. adflegal.org slash CR. That's adflegal.org slash CR. So I wanna show you the contrast. Let's start off with the good. Unbelievable news. I woke up today. She didn't tell me she was doing this. But if you remember, the lieutenant governor of Idaho, Janice McGee and she's running for governor against the Rhino incumbent Brad Chicken Little, as we so dearly call him here on the show. Last time he was at a state, and when he's at a state, the rules in Idaho automatically make the lieutenant governor acting governor while he was at a state she abolished the mask she barred localities from implementing a mass mandate he came back and like a baby reversed it because he's a leftist animal on par with gavin newsom of california um well he went out to texas to meet with other governors uh yesterday and what did she do she immediately implemented a categorical ban on any business in idaho Uh, Forcing vaccines on workers, and she called up the National Guard uh, to be on alert to deploy to the southern border. And of course, the jerk off uh, governor pledged as soon as he gets back to reverse it and whatever. But the point is, this woman has guts. I want you guys to imagine for a moment we have one Ron DeSantis and one and one only. Imagine if Janice, she has demonstrated not just intellectually, oh, I'm a conservative, which is meaningless, that she is willing to fight, to do the things that we say that will make red states red and make state legislatures great again and make state sovereignty great again and work towards this national divorce that we know we need. At least it's just peaceful, just, you know, you already have your states where you do whatever you want regardless of what the federal government does in New York and California we want a couple of our states Idaho has a lot of promise based on a lot of factors but we need a good governor there's a lot of good members of the of the, of the state house this is so important this is could be the most important election next cycle imagine if you get her you get Don Huffines in Texas to throw out Greg Abbott and you get a few more then it magnifies and multiplies the ability of each one to even be better, right? Because it's hard to be the only one. It creates momentum. And the more you create a culture where this is what it's expected to be of a red state, the more you'll have self-sorting. People don't like it, won't live there. And the people that are kind of on the fence or you know get brainwashed, they'll get brainwashed into this is the culture. Most people are followers. It really, as hopeless as it looks, Well, the reason why I'm so agitated and I have such a sense of urgency is because I don't think it's hopeless. I think it doesn't have to be this way. The difference between a Janice McGean and a Brad Little, a run-of-the-mill Republican, is, is a difference between night and day. That is ultimately going to be the determining factor between liberty and tyranny. It's that simple. It is that simple. That is where we need to place our focus. Not on the stupid congressional elections, on the gubernatorial elections, state legislature and the local elections, but the primaries. That is what we have, but then also, there's an election day every day. Every day things, I mean, when they're in session, come before the state legislatures, but often the county governments and the school boards, it's every day. You could weigh in. It makes a difference. We've never done this. Look, I've been slow, but we have enough people in all 50 states. I don't have enough leaders. We have teams set up in Alabama, West Virginia, South Carolina. I'm trying to think what else we have here. Iowa, Missouri. I just got a team leader for Idaho, but we need like a few more to help coordinate. So if you're in any of the states, let me know. I need Arkansas. Tennessee is going to be important. Tennessee, it appears that they just got two-thirds of both houses to vote, to convene for a special session, to deal with COVID fascism, to deal with some of this stuff. So that's going to be important. Yesterday, we dealt with Arkansas. Very important lessons in Arkansas that I want to discuss here. Okay? We can't even get in Arkansas, a level of legislation to set the vaccine mandate to to the degree of tyranny that it was in New York City a month ago. Think about that Overton window, how quickly it moves. Republicans in red state, red states can't even hold the line on a level of tyranny that the left didn't think about until three minutes ago. So one would think with something as radical is allowing private businesses, which aren't private, it's all at the behest, the carrot and stick of the manipulation and market distortion of the government in so many ways with the marketing and coercion to get needle raped. If you don't get needle raped, you can't have a job. I mean, we advertise for Bambi here, you know, uh, HR HR help. It's, it's hell with HR, everyone knows that. With a small business, you can't do anything. It's impossible to get people fired. But suddenly, you could box out an entire population from living a productive life if you don't get needle raped. With something that the European countries are already banning, every day more information comes out, and they don't freaking work. In the Lancet, it was a big study yesterday, they don't work. I can't tell you how many people... I've been helping get treatment that get very sick and they had the vaccines they don't work and that's just the beginning there's signs that it it's negative that it makes it even worse certainly on you're more likely to get it now and then the question is whether it spawns full blown ADE or they get sicker but anyway there were three bills that were pushed in the in the in the um legislature. One was SB 732. That categorically banned, you know, vaccine mandates. In the Senate we could only get 9 votes, I believe. There are 25 Republicans. Something is I'm I'm maybe one off, but it's something like 25 to 9 I want to say, is there GOP majority? We couldn't even get half the Republicans. Okay, because Asa Hutchinson controls the state, J.B. Hunt, Tyson's, Walmart, they control everything. And the same bastards that shut down businesses into bankruptcy last year, there's something like, I don't want to put mandates. What are you talking about, mandates? We're just saying that we're just applying anti-discrimination law that we have across the board when it's much more cumbersome to just say, don't harass people. We're not asking you to spend any money, do anything, whatever. So that was thrown out. Then another bill, SB 730, would have applied unemployment benefits for these people that get thrown out of their job. It passed the Senate. The Speaker of the House blocked it. The House is bought out by Asa Hutchinson even more. Then I want to get to SB 732. I'm sorry. SB Senate bill, is it 739? 739. But first, a word from our sponsor today, First Leaf. We have a brand new sponsor. Very excited. Folks, we love red meat politics. We love red meat. Red wine is awesome. White wine as well. I'm kind of new to this, I'll admit. I always liked wine, but I just, I mean, I don't know what this stuff is. I don't know what the science that goes behind wine tasting and the different brands and everything. There's such a selection, First Leaf is the premier wine club in America. I am now a member, and so should you, if you love wine. First Leaf, what they do is they tailor-make shipments. So you'll get like bottles, six bottles in a shipment, if you're a member of their club, monthly. So, you know, And, and you could tailor-make to anything. And what they do is they have a survey that's very simple, especially for novices like me, um, what type of palate you have, you know, and, and and they do it in a way that I can understand. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm I like sweet wine. Okay, I like this, and then they'll send it to you, and it gets better with every shipment because then they'll give you a survey. Hey, what do you like? Oh, you didn't like this so much. Ah, I see where you're coming from, and we can give you you know something that's a little bit drier, something that has you know this type of fruity taste, and. The thing is, they have access to retailers around the world. Number one, you could pretty much get any wine imaginable. Number two, um, you get 60% off retail just because they have such a good deal. They're such a, a player on the market internationally. Um, and the other thing is, if you say, like, this wine sucks, like, this bottle, I hate it. Even though you yourself selected something that along those lines that led them to send it to you. It's pretty unique, but I'm not joking either. They give you 100% back. They will you will receive the cost of that bottle back if you just say you don't like it, credited it to your account. Join today, become a First Leaf member, you'll get 6 bottles of wine for just 29.95 and free shipping. Just go to slash conservative again 6 bottles of wine 29.95. I mean that, that's like, you know, well over $100 value and free shipping, tryfirstleaf.com slash conservative. So I just want to finish up before we get to our guest, Chip Roy, here. Um, so SB739, okay, what this bill does is it offers two exemptions. It does not ban mandates. It explicitly indulges the mandates, like almost validates it, which is why I couldn't put my support behind a bill like this. But it had two um exemptions. Number one, if you have antibodies. The way they defined it is every six months they could require you to get tested. Which even that doesn't follow the science because, you know, a lot of people don't have antibodies, but but you know, they should have included T cells in that. But okay. And number two, the at least to offer an option to get PCR tested once a week. Now, imagine let's just step back. We're now begging in a state like Arkansas with 3-1, to 4-1 to one majorities trifecta control to at least get Arkansas to where New York was a month or two ago. Where it's either get needle raped or PCR tested. So that's a very, I mean that's insane. This is where we are now in red states. It's like they'll say, alright, we're going to rape one member of the family. And then you'll have the GOP bill okay, could we at least not sodomize them? Or if they already got raped, could we, uh, you know, um, have an exemption? I mean, I'm sorry to get crude. I just want to illustrate the absurdity of where we are. And yet, even this bill, we're struggling to get passed fully. Yes, it did pass the House and the Senate. Yes, it did. But here's the rub. And here's the games that they play. So, first of all, the governor is opposed to it. Now, I don't know if he has the guts to veto it. We'll see. Um, But Republicans have 27 senators. They need 24 to pass with an emergency declaration. What does that mean? In many states, in their constitution, if you have a bill, they don't want it to be implemented immediately. And that's, you know, comes from a good place. You don't want to rush into legislation. So there's a 90-day layover for implementation. Now, you could declare it an emergency and... Applied immediately, but you need two-thirds votes. Now, Republicans have two-thirds in both houses. They need 24 in the Senate. They actually have 27. Okay? They had four Republicans, always just enough, which tells you there's more jerks than they just play games, to make it 23, that in the Senate, it couldn't pass with the majority in the House. It did. So this is very fluid, but as of this recording, that's where it is. They were going to vote again. But one of the guys who voted no was Jimmy Hickey, who's the Senate president pro temp. It's unbelievable. Well, if you supported the bill, why would you oppose the emergency declaration? Because he is playing games with his constituents. Because he knows as well as I do that 90 days is meaningless. It's over. In fact, it's already over for half the people. The emails I get from people, they, half the people already had to make the decision to either get the shot or lose their job. 90 days, it's over. It's irre- irreparable harm. This is going down right now. And they know that. These are the games these idiots play. I just wanted to give you an insight into a red state supermajority, how much trouble we have to pass stuff that should be a non-starter. But this is what we're gonna do with our red state teams. We're gonna dog these people, we're gonna get on their cases. We're gonna light a fire under bills, bills that nobody ever heard of. This is the problem, we don't follow it. We're gonna make red states red, it's our only choice. We have no other, no, no place to run, both on the electoral and the legislative side. That's gonna be the goal of these teams. Fighting COVID fascism, fighting refugee resettlement, fighting crime. Fighting cultural Marxism. You know, it's going to depend on the time and what we need to do. Kicking the feds out of the state. Declaring constitutional sanctuaries. Nullifying anything that's unconstitutional. These are some of our priorities. It's going to depend on the state, obviously. And they always hide behind, oh, no, no, no. We can't get into session. Oh, a lot of these, you know, states are in session on redistricting now. Oh, we can't bring up anything else. So you mean that... The feds could declare the Fourth Reich. They could declare we're raping every woman in, in a southern state. And they'll be like, I don't know. Well, it's not in session now. We can't convene. Emergency clause. What are you talking about? These are the games these idiots play. But again, the difference between getting a Janice McGeehan and getting NASA an Hutchins in is night and day. Do you know... Asa Hutchinson is termed down in Arkansas. You know what we have? She, it's a coronation. She's going to win the primary in general easily. Sarah Huckabee Sanders. She is in the witness protection program. She has not said a word about any of these issues. Janice McGee is the exact opposite. All these people run. Look at me. I'm a Republican. Look at me. Well, demonstrate to us. Use your platform right now to endorse bills and say specifically what you've done. Janice McGeehan has taken that to the next level. She not only says what she's done, but she uses every time the governor goes out of state. She becomes active governor, and she's willing to do what nobody has ever done before and defy him. Even though it's going to get overruled eventually, but, but that demonstrates the moxie. Imagine if we had every talk show host focused on what I'm focused on. But again, I need team leaders. Basically, here's the way it works. Let's say we have a state where 60 people signed up for the Idaho team. I'm making it up, but it's something like that. 60, 80 people, whatever. I need a few people that could be the leaders, the coordinators, to contact all those people, call for the first meeting, and get together and form into subcommittees and say, "Here's where we're. If you're good at writing, you're going to help write. If you're good at lobbying, you're going to help lobby. If you're good at legislative analysis, keeping track, and we're going to form teams. I cannot do that in all the states. I need people to do it for me. All I am is a matchmaker because I have a national audience, like-minded people, great patriots that want to make a difference. I I I don't have staff, I don't have anything. Um, And I'm just like, I mean, you know the amount of research I do and the writing, just that alone takes up so much time and then trying to advise and help in the state legislatures and do things like that. So, you know, and I also need you to be my ears and eyes. What other things are going down in other states? in your home state send it to me email me dharowitz at blazemedia.com but i do want to get to our guest today now chip roy aside from being congressman from texas's 21st district san antonio austin area he's also been a dear friend of mine but it has been a long time since he's been on this show as as the, is the case really with every congressman you know why because generally speaking as i've noted i don't care about congress anymore it really doesn't matter the salvation's not going to come from anything in washington if we create some red states we'll have freedom we'll have liberty if not we'll have tyranny that is what we have laid out today it's janice mcgian and um ron desantis versus the asa hutchinson's of the world and the jim justices it is that simple um and then anything federal again you know, here's the deal with that. It's all executive fiat. The entire COVID fascism is executive fiat, um, or the courts. The legislature really doesn't matter at a national level, except for when they can make things worse. So there's a few times you have to pay attention and their debt ceilings, their budget bills. And then once a year they pass what's called the National Defense Authorization Act. As I've done this throughout, throughout the years, they stick in many crazy provisions. I know last year there was a provision that nobody caught um, that was what's called ban the box legislation where the federal government cannot ask for prospective employees, people seeking employment with the federal government, uh, their criminal history. So think about that. Right now, you could ask their status if they got the needle, but you can't ask if they have a criminal record. This is where we are in America right now. So comes the, 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 the Republicans, and typically the few things that are impactful, very few things that actually come out of Congress, they're bad, and usually they have bipartisan support. So we've been asking the last few days, where is the cathartic moment? Where is the inflection point? What has to happen to finally elicit and allure a righteous, coordinated, sustained, meaningful response from the so-called Republican Party? It's like the, you have the mandates, the COVID fascism, the worst border crisis ever, the, the, the worst crime ever. And on each one, not only aren't they helpful, but their messaging usually is, is on the other side. I mean, with crime, to this day, they're still promoting, Criminal, yeah, for And in fact, um, you know, they're not bothered by the fact that 6,000 more people were murdered last year and how many ever more people assaulted and all the problems we have with crime. They're only bothered by, if you look at the discussions of these uh, so-called conservative think tanks, it's like, darn, man, how is this going to affect our criminal justice reform push? They're bothered that it kind of gets in the way rather than, dude, you got refuted and you got to drop it. Um, No. So this is where we are. So now we come to this issue, which I finally care about what's going on in Congress. They're slipping in the NDA provision to include females in the draft. We've moved beyond... Voluntarily, like, hey, we're gonna have female Navy SEALs, which we used to laugh, laugh about. That was like kind of like the epitome of absurdity. Now it's mandatory, mandatory. And you think, come on, okay, that's like a few of like the, you know, House Progressive Caucus or something. No, it's every Democrat and a good number of Republicans. And I'm not seeing um, an opposition being mounted. Chip Roy is mounting that opposition. He's laying down the gauntlet and he's with us today to give us a quick update on where things stand. Chip, it's been way too long. Thanks so much for joining on short notice,
1: Daniel, I'm happy to, first of all, thank you for continuing to be a warrior for freedom. I couldn't agree with you more. I take no offense uh, and at, at your attack on Congress. I maybe take modest offense that I'm not on more often to agree with you. Um, <laughs> I tend to agree that what we're focusing on in Congress is usually the wrong thing, particularly Republicans. And let's talk about real quick the extent to which, the National Defense Authorization Act is every year used as a Christmas tree for radical leftist policies and agenda, which Republicans dutifully pass because, quote, we've got to give our service members a pay raise, or we've got to do what's right for the military. So they slip in things like you just talked about on Ban the Box. They slip in all sorts of uh, chief diversity officer and you know woke uh, leftist uh, critical race theory type policies. They slip in uh, like they're now trying to do this year, uh, Green New Deal policies, electric vehicles, all sorts of stuff that they cram into the bill, $25 billion additional dollars, despite not holding Milley or Austin accountable for the debacle in Afghanistan. Yet those things pale in comparison, actually, to the fact that they include two provisions, one is a red flag provision, which would allow people to go after our service members' weapons without due process, the very red flag laws that you and I and others have been trying to oppose nationwide. Oh, yeah, slip that right into the defense authorization bill. And then, unbelievably, a draft our daughters provision, meaning language that will include a mandate that your daughters, your wives, your sisters, your mothers be included in selective service so that they could be uh, drafted in the future. Now, what do all my Republican colleagues say about that? Oh, don't worry. They won't be drafted. Wait, hold on a second. What do you mean they won't be drafted? Well, you know, there will never be a draft again. It's like, well, there's been two drafts in my dad's lifetime, one draft in my lifetime. Uh, oh, by the way, they then say, but if there is a draft, it'll be because the Chinese have a 20 million man army and we need more people. So which is it? Is it that they won't (laughs) be drafted or they will be drafted because of the Chinese? Oh, wait, but they'll, ne- they'll never be in combat. Well, that's complete crap. The Democratic Party and half the Republicans can't even distinguish between women or, or call a woman a woman. It's, oh, pregnant people. You, you mean if you're going to say we don't have differences between men and women, you're going to say that, a, well, a woman can't be in the foxhole in Afghanistan? I mean, that's absolutely absurd. Yet two-thirds of your House Republicans voted a uh, week before last, I think, to pass the NDAA with those provisions in it despite having the ability to stop it because the squad didn't want to vote for it in the first place this is your republican party in action so i put out a letter today saying i will not vote for any person for president for speaker of the house or any other office if they vote for this ndaa that will draft my daughters or take the weapons away from our men and women in military
0: so i'm hearing you be very vocal about this issue and frankly if i mean i used to cover congress very closely for over a decade every last thing that came out of it I, it's just been a black hole i wouldn't have known about it if not for you but i'm not hearing about this from other people so could you give us like a little bit of a uh you know picture of the landscape uh, so this passed the house um how many republicans voted for it in the House and what are the prospects in the Senate and where where do people need to I mean obviously Democrats control the Senate but very narrowly there is the filibuster so where where do things stand?
1: So it passed out of the House of Representatives with an overwhelming vote with roughly two thirds of Republicans supporting it a third not and then a handful of Democrats didn't support it either I think maybe 20 or so I can't remember the exact number it might have been more might have been like 120 or 30 overall no votes it went over to the – so now it's over in the Senate. The Senate is, of course, uh, now uh, taking it up, uh, and it's going to go to conference, right? So then they'll be in conference uh, because there's differences between the Senate and the House bill, and then the question will be what is taken out in conference. So what I'm telling everybody is you need to take these two provisions out or you don't get my support. Uh, because look, I oppose other things. I'll oppose the NDAA on other grounds. Spending, sure. spending, there's including Green New Deal, other too.
0: stuff. I mean, there's all sorts of things in right. there. With, with they always yeah. put in immigration, um, and obviously scope of mission and the whole point of that. I mean, the whole point of the NDAA is to authorize. Hey, this is what we see the military the needs are and then the 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 probes bill gives the funding but this should not be about funding i have always said that it should be more about a vision which of course we have no vision of of uh, what our foreign policy is but you're saying it's the it's the um so there's gonna be no filibuster at the front end they're gonna pass it but it's gonna go to conference and or, or you're saying there is no other senate vote
1: so, no, the set, right now, the Senate has done their NDAA, we've done our NDAA, it's sitting and now in conference, there's differences, so they'll have to sort that out in conference. Then there will be a vote in both uh, uh, the House and the Senate again, so we're going to have to lay on the horn and say, don't you dare pass this NDAA with at least those two provisions in it. Now, again, I'll reserve the right to vote no for the other reasons, which give me uh, plenty of reason to vote no, but I'm absolutely militantly opposed to the Republican Party taking any part whatsoever in passing this final version through the House or the Senate. And any Republican who votes for it needs to feel the pain of uh, the constituents and the outside groups and all of us not supporting them if they vote to draft our daughters and or take guns away from our service members.
0: Wow. that that, that That's a big thing, folks. So I need you guys to call – Your senators and congressmen, especially if you have a Republican, and let them know that provision is in there. Chip, do you have either a page number or a section where the draft or daughter's provision is?
1: I don't have that in front of me. But I mean, the provision is there. And, and if okay. you go to my website where I talk about it, you can go to, you know, Roy house gov and find that information. But it is definitively in there. Nobody debates it. Uh, in fact, but Republicans refuse to want to talk about it because they they know that the American people are going, wait, what? What are you even talking about? But the the arguments they offer are just completely ludicrous. And, you know, as well as I do, they bring up things like, oh, don't worry, you know, uh, Israel does it. It's like, wait, hold on a second. What? That's not exactly true. First of all, Israel has an army of, what, what 170,000 compared to our 1.3 million all done through volunteers, okay? Number two, we're not Israel. Israel's very different. Number three, Israel doesn't actually do that uh, the way that it's depicted. They, ha- they have
0: an opt-out. And, women, and, and, and Yeah.
1: Yes. Religious women have an opt-out, and they exercise it more than men typically. And even when you've got women there, they're not in the elite frontline forces in the IDF, right? In fact, the IDF instituted a pilot program four years ago to allow women to train in the Armored Corps, but in 2018, the Chief of Staff chose not to place them uh, in the pilot program because of the, you know, uh, relative differences in combat roles. And one final point, your Defense Department spent $36 million to conduct a study six years ago for the marine corps that said that all uh male mili- uh, uh combat units uh, performed at a 70% proficiency relative to uh mixed combat uh military uh units or combat units. And so that's what you're facing, right? That's the reality. Your government is spending 36 million dollars for a study which is absurd that I'm even citing it because it was stupid it was even conducted in the first place.
0: <laughs> it's funny you bring that up in this era of science this is what we're finding like the more the data comes out and the study is like oh the vaccines no longer work so we're going to mandate it even more it was a similar thing yeah so you're referring to that marine study um and it was it was really very very thorough very expansive and it was just it was unbelievable it showed they were devastating the injuries um were were very very high um they out yeah they out, underperformed them in 70 percent um 94 out of the 134 tasks um they had again a lot of injuries a lot of the most important things they had problems the top 25 percent of females overlap with the bottom 25 percent of male marines in the study of anaerobic power um it was it was really very problematic and they're like oh so therefore we're doing this And you bring up a good point about Israel. Yeah, I mean, I'm very familiar with that. A hundred percent of the religious Jews in Israel, you know, opt out of it. They also have national service, which is instead of it. Um, And then and then again, you know, this notion about the women in the military. Yes, for a number of years, Israel was ahead of us in that. But just to demonstrate what's happened with the Overton window in American politics, we have surged way ahead of them. The last, I'd say, ten to twenty years in terms of the integrating females into stuff, we're actually now ahead of Israel in terms of what we do. And in the past, I would have also said, yeah, you know, it's not—it's—it's it's a principle, and it's really bad. But it's not really going to happen, dude. Anything could happen now. <laughs> I mean, I mean, well, let, let, yeah. let
1: me ask, let me offer <laughs> let me offer one other Overton window example, okay? That's related to the NDAA and COVID, okay? This will be really important for you and your listeners. We right now have this young man who is an army, uh, an Af- I'm sorry, an Afghan veteran who is being potentially dishonorably discharged, right, because he refuses to take the vaccine. You know this story. Well, I've got colleagues, Republicans, who are saying, Chip, you don't understand. We've got to pass the NDAA because we offered an amendment that, uh, a, 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 you know, takes away the dishonorable discharge for refusing to take the vaccine. So, look. Huh? This is what your brilliant Republicans are saying. You must pass the NDAA chock full of garbage in order to get a provision preventing dishonorable discharge of the of the individuals in the military who refuse to take the vaccine. Rather than, I don't know, standing up and saying that they shouldn't be discharged in the first place and not saying that you have to bend over to to pass a terrible bill in order to get a half solution. Like, I can't even make up how Chip, you have no idea how fortuitous
0: your comments are because just a moment ago before I brought you on, I talked about an Arkansas bill where we're even having trouble fully passing what New York's vaccine mandate was a month ago. So a month ago in New York, it was either get it or be tested. And now they're on to full. They took out the testing option. So they're trying to get the testing option to the mandate in Arkansas. And even then they won't pass it with emergency provision. The two thirds to implement it immediately. And it's like, this is where it is. And I'm thinking the, the Overton window moves so quickly. And you know, the fill, the, the NDAA is a must must pass bill for them. We have the filibuster. So they could totally block it and say, here are our demands. And, and it's, it's nothing. It just, and, and this is, this is the, the discussion I, I want to end off with. I know your time is short. Um, I'll never forget. I know exactly where I was a couple years ago. I was on a train either to or from Washington, and I was talking to you. And you you said you're a little older than me. When in our life could we remember a time we are proud of Republicans where they did something systemic like, wow, and it was enduring? And we all looked at each other and like, I guess the Gingrich Congress – but most of that never even went past the Senate, and the few things that did are countermanded by 100 by now um, you know, with welfare reform and things like that. It's, it's, uh, we're 100 times worse than we were before now, and it's like I was, tell- I was thinking to myself, I would pray to God if I could go back to the magnitude of problems we were talking about in that conversation just a few years ago.
1: It, it's funny that you say that or sad that you say that because you're completely right. I mean i I've talked about I was talking about that to my family the other night and some friends about well, when was I last truly proud, you know and of of a fight. I mean, I guess there were a few things during the Trump administration where the president did something that took some gumption to push back on. I mean, you know, and then moving the embassy to Jerusalem. I mean, there were some things that I thought were like, okay, I mean I, i'm I'm proud of that, right? like I, I get you know you, you know when you're proud, right? You feel it. There were a couple things like that, but as a party, as a block, it's like, look, what, what have we stood up and fought for, right? What have we done where you stand back like when a team, you know, high fives and hugs and says, oh my gosh, what we just accomplished. I mean, legitimately, I mean, I, I don't mean that cynically. I, that, I have not experienced that as a member of Congress or as a staffer, and I've now got a pretty good amount of experience in that zip code. The only thing I can say that I've had pride doing is stopping what the buffoonish, foolish Republicans have tried to do. That's been my most proud moments. is trying to stand in the way of Republicans trying to sell out our country in the name of uh, saving it in half measures.
0: So I want to talk about two more things with you and bring it more yeah. back to the states. So you're from Texas. Now, you're not in the legislature. You're yeah. a federal but, you know, again, we all agree that Republicans could have the greatest victory in the midterms of all time, and it literally won't matter. Because, first of all, the Republican leadership in both houses, they actually agree with the left on every major issue over time. But even if they didn't, they would say, well, now we got to win the presidency. You know, we keep going through the cycle because, look, he's just going to veto. There's nothing we can do, and yada, yada. Fine. Okay, and, and, and you can never fight on the must-pass bills, and we've, we've done this for 15 years. Fine. Okay. So we all agree that the best check and balance are the states where you, you could totally stuff them at the line there. Like, dude, they have no control. So you're in Texas. Okay, nice majorities. Um, you know, things are getting a lot of, lot better. The Hispanic vote is really, really coming into, you know, moving over. I mean, unbelievable turnaround in the Rio Grande Valley. Lots of potential you could do in Texas politics at this point. And yet, we... I, um God forbid should we do anything with welfare? God forbid with spending. No, 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 I'm not I'm not asking that. I'm not asking anything big. I am asking that in the state of Texas we could go back to the degree of half-assed liberty we had March twenty twenty. And yet, we have the news today, eighty percent of ER patients of one doctor saw in Ontario um had both shots. Okay? the COVID vaccines aren't working everywhere we're seeing them they're wearing off hence they say you need a booster okay we are now seeing the FDA has approved their first oral blood thinning medication for children gee I wonder why we are now seeing that Sweden and Denmark have have discontinued the Moderna vaccine for under 30 now it's nothing different under or over. They're just saying, like, well, you know, they don't really get sick anyway. But that it's an admission that there are certainly problems, uh, you know, back back at home here on the home front here. There are some problems with this. We are being lied to at every front. And I am not seeing a single state hold hearing after hearing with I, – I could give you 50 experts right now on every one of those issues – and craft legislation appropriately. They have billions of dollars they're playing around with. We have a Holocaust going on in the, in the hospitals right now. It is, it is unbelievable, the things that are being done to our human beings. Um, again, it's not even political. It, this virus gets everyone. It is certainly, especially now, It's whether you had the vaccine or didn't, I have personally treated and got treatment for people very sick that had it, didn't have it, and they have nowhere to turn. I am not finding a righteous fight in the state of Texas. And let me just cap it off, and I know I told you about this. There is a man who's a ear, nose, throat specialist, head neck surgeon, Dr. Eric Henson, in Palestine, Texas. And it's not, it's not your district. It's Eastern Texas. But he, I don't know if you have like a, congressional medal of honor equivalent in texas the governor's medal or whatever but he should win one he has personally saved the lives of so many people in this audience for absolutely free and yet he is now going to have a mark on his record for not wearing a mask at some point after he already had the virus by the way um you know because some patient snitched on him this is happening in the state of texas
1: Well, uh, this is something, obviously, I've spoken to him. I won't talk about that right now because I want to try to direct some of my ire to some of the agencies involved. But uh, let me just say there's so much more that every state and, in particular, Texas needs to be doing. Now, part of this, if I'm being, I guess, gracious or fair, is, you know, you and I eat, breathe and sleep this stuff. And I think it's taking a while for people to catch up to exactly what's happening from the standpoint of the power of government and tyranny over their lives. We're at war. The the Democrats want to take away our way of life. They want to take away the flow of capital. They want to constrict institutional investors unless they bow down to the ESG woke crowd and mandate that certain Green New Deal programs get embraced. And they want to kill the oil and gas industry, which will kill tax revenue and kill our economy and jobs in Texas. They want to take away our ability to take care of our own health care. They want to restrict monoclonal antibodies in Texas and are actively doing so. They want to limit our ability to get actual treatments while they're trying to mandate vaccines, force American Airlines, force Southwest Airlines to say, oh, you're going to bow down to the altar and you're going to force your employees to get uh, get, uh, vaccinated. You know, they want to go down the list, like wide open borders killing us, you know, fentanyl pouring in, cartels getting empowered. There's a war on our way of life. And we're sitting back playing freaking tiddlywinks worrying about winning an election in 2022 and it's absolute crap and we ought to be securing the border texas should be we ought to be telling the feds to pound sand on these mandates the legislature ought to convene pass a law that will penalize the companies uh more than what the feds are trying to penalize them through osha yes. and make those companies choose whether they want freedom or whether they want to bow down to the altar of tyranny in washington i'm so sick of it And I I tweeted about this yesterday, about Southwest Airlines, American Airlines, and the rest of these guys, they think they say they believe in freedom, and they do not. They're trying to constrict your liberty and use the power of corporations to do it, just as insurance companies are, just as big health care, all of it is, Uh, pharma. What we're seeing, it's absolutely an abomination. And we're all sitting back and just saying, thank you, sir, may I have another, in the illustrious words of Animal House.
0: Do you agree with me that we are in a position where we, we need to grab the power where we can and proactively utilize it. The problem I'm having with people is they don't understand the slate is not clean with a free market and private sector. We have something worse than government tyranny, actually. It's this venture socialism where the government, through an amalgamation of mandates, market distortions, subsidies, and artificial monopoly creations, they made it that we're boxed out. So it's not like you could start your thing because you're regulated as hell. So then you're stuck with their stuff, and then suddenly with their stuff, oh, no, they're libertarian. We don't want to tell them what to do. But wink, wink, they spent billions of dollars from the December 2020 omnibus bill on covid to market the hell out of these things. They have a carrot and stick approach. So there is no free market. So then you are like, you know, so then they all get together and box out entire classes of people from the ability to obtain goods and services and employment completely. It's not like, you know, they say that uh, mom and pop Baker can't even deny service, not just for the person, when I'm saying the person, but for a gay wedding, for an event, even though he can go to 50 other places in that area and frankly, probably get a bigger discount than anyone else because they, they they love that stuff. But, but yet, government can work with the entire monopoly to completely box out a human being from obtaining vital goods and services. And I'm, I'm dealing with these Blank holes in these legislatures who claim to be conservative, like I don't like putting mandates on private sector. I'm like, what are you talking about? If that's the mentality, I don't know how we ever get out of this tyranny.
1: Well, and it's, it's interesting. I brought up the airlines a minute ago, right? And I tweeted out about Southwest Airlines yesterday, and and I've always viewed Southwest as one of the better ones, and they. Um, you know, I mean, I talked to Southwest. I called them. I was so irate when I saw that they were going to institute the mandate. And they said, "Well, we have federal contracts, and we've got, uh, you know, uh, you know the OSHA guidelines, and and they're now being put in force by December." And I said, "I said, well, you guys aren't going to fight? I thought you were, Mister. You know, oh, we're all the employee-friendly airline. Well, here's the bottom line: I got criticized online by all these crazy leftists. Frankly, some Republicans, some you know, blue check mark losers, you know, claiming to be conservative, who are all – Well, wait, I I thought you believed in the free market. What, you want government to come in and tell Southwest Airlines what they're doing? It's like, are you completely, uh, have you lost your mind? I mean, people, they're they're literally, this company is bowing down to massive coercion from the federal government and bureaucrats and a tyrannical, unconstitutional, unlawful executive order by the president of the United States. And we're going to just sit back and say, well, I guess that's, I guess that's what we got to do instead of Texas stepping up and saying, hold on. We want our people, the people who live here, not to have to be forced to deal with an unconstitutional, unlawful order from the federal government. So stand in the way of it. Take action. And, you know, oh, but we'll step in the way of the, of the company. Wait, wait, we're in a whole other world right now, y'all, and, and we better <laughs> act like it. And, and, we're and, at and a war. And, and here's people, the moral hazard. This, there is a war going on. Here's the
0: moral hazard, Chip, that, you know, when it comes to Southwest— You know, as you noted, the government is all over it. It all is because of the government. It's not a clean slate, and that's the thing. There's no way, you know, when when you have the government putting, you know, 500 billion pounds of weight on one side of the scale, you have to even up the scale to to get back to the free market. The thing is, we all agree the free market would have never— ever allowed for diapers on the face and any of this stuff the government created it and then through all their tentacles they made it the thing so then now it's like what it reminds me of is like the civil rights act <clears throat> right we don't like saying that you can't hire and fire but the reality was in the southern states the government for a 100 years they used the boot of government to box out blacks from life, liberty, property, the ability to obtain goods, the ability to engage in basic commerce. So then, you, then you'd be like, "Well, you know, do what you want." Well, yeah, you created a culture where they're completely boxed out, and that, and and that's how we all, I think, intellectually wrapped our arms around that um, t- Title VII and things like that. At least at the time, and it's a similar thing now. It, And then the other thing that bothers me is, hey, buddy, you want to abolish all anti-discrimination law, all OSHA, all ADA. Hey, let's have that discussion. But if we're going to have that, I'm not going to have a carve-out for your fascism, right? This is the biggest – but I'm telling you, Chip, this is a big obstacle that we have because we have the rhino dirtbags in all these places that are bought out by the industries. And then we'll have these thumb suckers that that, that are like, whoa – you know, and, and mind you, they were never too vocal last year when we had the ultimate mandate, like you're shut down into bankruptcy type of deal.
1: You know, man, is it no, now, now I now I get these thumb suckers. I, mean, I had one recently that said, hey, why were you supporting the police union in San Antonio? I thought we didn't like unions. This is an alleged conservative. I'm like, listen, dude, you want to get rid of all public unions? Let's go have that discussion. Happy to do it. But the San Antonio City Council is targeting cops and cops only i'm going to go stand with the cops while they're under assault by radical leftists like george soros so don't give me your two-faced nonsense on this it's absurd and, and like we do that all the time right we, we get ourselves wrapped around the axle and you know you're seeing that uh, right now for example on critical race theory some mutual friends of ours and i and others are working to try to get the federal government to be able to have some influence on stopping critical race theory so we say, well, why are we going to have federal funds flow to schools that teach critical race theory? And they go, well, federalism. Look, man, I wrote a book with the governor Perry about federalism. I've studied federalism. I worked at the think tank on Tenth Amendment issues. I know a little bit about federalism. But when you're to get wrapped around the axle, when we're saying, hold on a second, if you want me to say I'd like to get rid of all federal dollars flowing and leave it to all the states and localities, okay. I'm happy to have that conversation. You know what? I co-sponsored a bill to abolish the Department of Education. But if you're going to say that we shouldn't sit back and say, guys, while these federal dollars are flowing, how about we say, don't use them to teach America's evil and racist, to undermine our entire country and way of life, to teach racism, and to get our kids to hating their country? Yeah, I'm going to stand against that. And how about you kiss my butt? I mean, I'm just sick of these hand-wringing losers. Uh, masquerading themselves as Republicans and conservatives who are driving our country into the ground just as much as Democrats are.
0: Well, they are conservative in one respect. They are conserving the, the corrupt system that is totalitarian. I mean, that is what that, if you're conservative, conservative tactically, that's what you're doing. You're conserving everything the other side does. We have to be active, and I love the way you express that because that is really the decision in front of all of us all of us at this juncture, that we have to use the power or lose it. There's nothing we can do. The slate is not clean. And uh, I'm just having a big difficulty with people. They cannot learn how to reinvent the wheel. And look, if we're going to have money flowing to the states, by the way, for COVID, that is greater than their entire state budgets, you better believe we're going to steer it, once they're printed it anyway, to life-saving treatments, to helping people rather than killing people. And you know, that's what they need to be doing. And I just, I don't, Chip, here's what I want to end with. I just don't see a vision anywhere. I don't see it in a state. I don't see it in a freedom caucus. I don't see a coherent vision that speaks to the severity. And, and I want to know if you, here's, here's my question. Do you agree with me on National divorce, and when I say national divorce, what I mean is we already have it, okay? The blue states did it, right? They do what they want, okay? And we learned that even with immigration, which is legitimately federal, they're like pounds, of sand, they do what they want, okay? You, you will never get a Republican president until the end of times that will ever be able to coerce the blue states to do, to do anything they don't want to do, and that we've learned is only going to get worse. We already have a national divorce, but it's a national divorce, in terms of an abusive husband relationship. It's one-sided. They do what they want and break the marriage vows, but then they get to beat us too. And I'm just saying, look, we just, you know, let's just part ways then. I mean, isn't that what ultimately needs to happen? California is gone. Half the country is gone. I don't see a way to save that, but at least we need to foster the same climate to make it as unhospitable for progressivism in Texas as it is for our values in California.
1: Well, Dana, I think this is one of those one of the more important things that we need to be talking about, right? And and let's take the border situation as an example. I believe in the rule of law. I believe in the Constitution. I believe in trying to conserve those things and protect those things. I do. It's a part of my DNA. But when you're in essentially a post-constitutional society, at least at the moment, where the administration, the President of the United States, is willfully refusing to faithfully execute the laws of the United States, leaving our borders wide open, so that Texas can be assaulted, then why am I supposed to bow down to the altar of a random Supreme Court decision that, by the way, Scalia and the dissenters were right to dissent against in the Arizona case saying you can't enforce federal law when federal law is built upon the idea that the federal government is going to enforce the border? So why would we get wrapped around that axle? Instead, just do what we know we can do as citizens, as human beings, as people that need to protect our community and just go secure the border. Stop worrying about it. Look, Democrats right now across this country in blue states heavily are basically saying, ignore the interests and the wishes of the people in red state America, step over them, ignore the constitution, use the power of government at, at will, whether it's for, forcing these mandates, limiting monoclonal antibodies, leaving the border wide open, Name the issue. They're doing it, right? Drafting our daughters. It doesn't matter. They're just going to do it. And at some point, they have obliterated the Constitution, and it is incumbent upon people to then take control of their lives, communities, families, and go fight for them, right? I mean, I was just watching the History Channel this morning. Daniel Boone ran like 100 miles in four days to get back to the fort to go warn him. And our loser leaders can't even find a way to go just secure the border against some freaking cartels running drugs across our river. Just go do it.
0: What the hell? Just go do it. Go go, go, go do it. And, and this was the beauty. I talked about Janice McGee, lieutenant governor of Idaho. She became governor for a day. Did it again while I think Brad Little was actually in Texas. And uh, she did two things. She barred all, all vaccine mandates everywhere in Idaho and um, called up the National Guard to deploy to Texas. He's going to come back today and reverse that. But you know, the point is, there's very few people like that, but that's what you need to do. you you got to fight fire with fire. It makes no sense to continue this game of conserving their stuff. I love how you mentioned this the US v. Arizona case. That was voided out when the same dirtbag judges throughout the Trump administration said, Oh, man, this is so federal, you can't even help the feds. And then it's like, oh, well, actually, states could criminalize, make a felony out of working with the feds like they did in New York, and the Second Circuit had no problem with it. And, and this is the point. I mean, I wrote a book, as you well know, on this. Heads, they win. Tails, they win. So we have no right to breathe or bodily integrity, except to kill a baby and all the Griswold, Eisenstadt, Roe, Casey. Then that's, you know, but, but for us, it goes back to Dred Scott. Oh, I mean, uh, uh, Jacobson. Okay, fine. But then, then the same courts that like told us "shut up, we don't want to hear from you, COVID baby." Then there's a right for a, for a local government collectively, to force someone. So you don't have a right to breathe, but a local government has the right to force you not to breathe. I mean, and, and they would get standing, and get an injunction against you know a lot of these states. You had it, I think Texas, you might have won, but every other state we've lost so far. They actually put an injunction. On, and it was like the governors were saying, You're not allowed to wear a mask, like the equivalent of what they're doing. No, you can wear it all you want. Go, go wear it. Um, it is, I marvel at the left how they could turn on and off that faucet whenever they want. They have one rule of engagement we win, you lose. And, and we're not saying to do the same thing in the sense in an offensive way, it's purely defensive. I believe that. You have the moral and constitutional right to do what it takes to evacuate yourself from the unconstitutional morass that they put you in. And this is exactly what Justice Robert Jackson famously meant when he said the Constitution is not a suicide pact. I want to give you the last word.
1: Look, I think right now the most important thing, when I go out and talk to activists, and so for your listeners out there, I I talk about three things. Number one, we need a strong Texas. That's really code for we need strong states, OK? So other states need to step up, too. When I'm talking to Texas, that we need a strong Texas. We need to take ownership of our lives back. Number two, we need to hold Republicans accountable. Because while you are correct that most of what Congress does is irrelevant, uh, it can be massively harmful. And we need Republicans to honor their commitment and to go do what they said they were going to do and stop being pansies. Go back, balance the budget, secure the border, restore health care freedom, and then get the hell out of the way of the United States. And then third and finally, we need to go win the culture fight, okay? Go pick the fight. Go take your schools back or get rid of them. Have all private schools, have public schools. I don't care, but take ownership of them again. Don't let courts decide whether you can pray to God. Don't let bureaucrats decide that your children have to learn that America's evil. Go take them back. Go stop. Don't say your daughters and get drafted. Go tell the government to kiss your butt. Say no. Like, we've got to take our country back. We've got to do it now strong states strong texas make sure that we get engaged and hold republicans accountable and then go win the culture war if we do that we might just save a free place to live whatever those boundaries look like
0: amen very well said i'm sorry we haven't done this in a long time we got to do this more often uh thanks so much for joining us chip god bless you and your work and looking forward to having you back again